the first and probably most important thing is that we have a personality quiz that clients can take as they onboard into studios. And this isn't like a silly Facebook quiz. We've worked with leading researchers from MIT and Stanford and Penn State to design a personality profile around motivation. So what is it that motivates the individual to you know, form a consistent habit, to stick with a wellness practice? Hi there, welcome to the Business Side of Fitness podcast. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, I leverage my two decades of experience in the fitness and wellness industry to have meaningful conversations with the movers and shakers behind some of the most well-known and innovative brands in our industry. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano, LLC. To find out more about working with me, click the link in the show notes. And now the time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story and it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Laura Munkholm. She's the president and co-founder of Walla Software, an all-in-one business management platform for boutique fitness studios. Walla gives studio owners the freedom to focus on what they love by reducing the time, expense, and energy spent on tech-related issues. Welcome to the show, Laura. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have you here today because I feel like you have this really interesting background going from studio management into tech software. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, those two don't usually go together, but wh- you know, just to kick off the right. conversation, why don't you share your background with the audience and ultimately how you came to found Walla? Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely a different path. I didn't start in tech. So I actually, I kind of stumbled into the boutique fitness world when I was in my sales career. I I had been a competitive athlete. I played volleyball in college and had all sorts of injuries after that road. And so while I was in sales in my early twenties, I kind of looked for something movement oriented because I was such a mover that wouldn't be as challenging on my body because I'd I'd just been beat up for a while playing sports. I'm a volleyball player. And so I found yoga. And when I, when I tried out yoga initially, I was really drawn to obviously the, the physical aspect of it, but also the ability to, to learn how to breathe. I I don't often tell the story, but interestingly enough, I, I was severely asthmatic growing up. And one of the key things that yoga taught me was not to fear breathing. And I'm a hundred percent convinced it, it cured my asthma and so much of the, the kind of anxiety around breathing that I had experienced growing up was, was just gone after a few years of consistent practice. So I, know, I, I recognized how powerful the practice was and decided to start teaching and did that on the side of my sales career and ultimately found my way into running a large yoga studio here in San Diego. That's where I'm, I'm based. So once I, once I got behind the scenes and kind of was able to see how things worked both operationally and kind of from a programming perspective, but also the support systems that actually ran the studio behind the scenes. So the software platforms, the the kind of tech uh, stack that was needed for an effective business. It it was really just evident to me that this this industry was so far behind other 
industries I'd worked in. And so I actually started doing consulting for studio owners to help them understand how to best leverage their software and how to understand the, the metrics, the KPIs that can help propel the business forward. And you know, over that time, I became kind of an expert in the, the landscape of different software options, really pulling together the ones that I felt made a business successful. And, and it was just unbelievable how many options it took. And it was like duct taping together systems and hoping that the APIs spoke to each other and you know, using Excel spreadsheets outside the system for this, that, and the other thing, just to make sure that we were all on the same page. So ultimately, when my my business partner now, Doug, approached me, I had done some advisory work on his last startup, which was in the fitness space as well. It was an app called Limber. When he approached me about potentially starting a, a platform for boutique studios, at first I was like, oh God, this is you know, going to be the next decade of my life and startup insanity and diving into this crazy tech world. But eventually, you know, decided to take the leap and we have had a blast building this. We've got such an incredible team of engineers and, you know, we, we've really been able to see the impact it's having right away for studios. So I guess that's the long story, long version of my road here. (laughs) What were some of the common problems that you were solving for these studios in your consulting business? Yeah. So one of them, which I know you really enjoy speaking to is the, I guess the, the fear of sales in the studio world and kind of the, the urge to shy away from that and just let the consumer make every decision. And so I was very, very focused on sales training, sales process design, and helping design systems to make that sale, you know, the the journey of the client as smooth as possible. So that was one area. Another, like I mentioned before, was helping studios understand how to get and take action on the right metrics and KPIs to actually track the, the health of their business and, you know, watch over time how the business is transforming when you take certain actions with consistency or when you implement certain processes with consistency. So those were the two big areas. Operationally, I I had a background in recruiting. And so I definitely love to help studios with managing staff and understanding best practices on how to hire effectively and retain the best staff as well. So I would say it was broken down pretty equally into those three segments. I'd love to just go a little bit more into how Walla helps with the sales process. Cause something that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of baffles my mind is these boutique studios are often really, they don't have an actual salesperson. They have right. a front desk person that's just kind of checking people in and sales is a skill that's not necessarily innate in a lot of people. It's something that has to be developed. And just from the nature of our business, sometimes front desk people are not necessarily career people or that are right. looking to, to stay with our brands. They're somebody that might be there. You know, the reality of it is they might be there for six months and then it's on to the next. So training people, you know, recruiting and all of that. So how does Walla facilitate the sales process for these boutique fitness studios? Right. Great question. It's absolutely the core focus of our business was to provide the data that would make sales processes easy. The the first and probably most important thing is that we have a personality quiz that clients can take as they onboard into studios. And this isn't like a silly Facebook quiz. We've worked with leading researchers from MIT and Stanford and Penn State 
to design a personality profile around motivation. So what is it that motivates the individual to you know, form a consistent habit to stick with a wellness practice. And so we have that now we're able to see like how many of our, our clients, clients are taking the quiz and they are like more than 50% of clients are interested or taking the quiz. And so at check-in the front desk has access to a little, you know, colored ring around each individual profile picture or profile icon. And that tells them what personality type they are. We have a little hover state that gives them like, here are three things to know about this individual personality type. So givers, for example, those are the people that need all the encouragement, the high fives, the extrinsic motivation. And so we're able to kind of customize the approach for that individual, make them feel motivated, disarmed, and like they are specifically welcome in that business. Where Mavericks, for example, on the other side, think it's condescending to get those like, hey, you're doing great and high fives and call out their name in class or, you know, have small talk with them at the front desk. That's the opposite of what they need. What they need are the facts and the goal and that person's intrinsically motivated. So that's the first step of it is understanding and customizing approach to the individual. And we try to give the studios educational content that's simple and actionable. We're not giving them like a book on behavioral psychology. <laughs> we need like three bullet points that the front desk and the teacher can know about each, each personality type. The other side of it is that we, we make it very obvious who's on an intro offer. We have you know people that are live on an intro offer front and center, people who have expired in the last 10 days, people who have expired in the last 20 days. So you have these kind of tiles of information about each individual, if they're subscribed to um, marketing materials or not. I What I've found is that we're in this age of automi- like automate, 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 which is awesome. It's taken a lot off of the business owner's plates, but it's also allowed a lot of people to fall through the cracks because fewer and fewer people subscribe to marketing communication. And so when when you have this group of individuals who are attending a studio and trying something for the first time, but have opted out, they're not getting that nurture sequence that you've spent so much time developing and building. They're just kind of floating there in space and you hope that they come back. So we make that very evident in the tile, whether they're subscribed or not, whether they're getting communication or not outside the system. So you know, okay, great. I can click on their name, text them right from here inside the system. and check in on them, you know, see how they're doing. So I think that's been a core focus is making sure you as the studio understand who's in that funnel, the early stage of the funnel, who needs that nurturing, and then ultimately giving you quick and easy ways to communicate with them. Those are great differentiators. I've never heard of a software company that incorporates a personality quiz in their, in their offering. And I think that's amazing. It's such a great tool to have. Why do you think so many studio owners use these legacy softwares that are really antiquated? You know, it's, it has a lot to do with fear, to be perfectly honest. They're, they're comfortable. They're in something that they've known for a while. And even though there are you know, lists upon lists of frustrations with the software. It's, you know, now that I'm in sales conversations and talking to studio owners every day about that exact question, you know, it comes down to 
fear of change is a, is really a powerful emotion, especially after the last couple of years that we've gone through, right? Like there's, there's so much exhaustion around the pivots and the changes, but that at the same time, I think it created an opportunity for so many, the last couple of years created an opportunity for so many studio owners to just be like, you know what, what else? Like <laughs> I've been able to come this far. I might as well optimize everything so that I can kick ass on the other side of it and move forward. 86% of U.S. adults taking virtual exercise classes plan to continue doing so as gyms reopen. That's a huge opportunity for anyone looking to launch or expand their virtual fitness offering. Our friends at Syncfloor offer a catalog of over 16,000 songs by the best independent commercial artists. It's great music that can be affordably licensed for both live and video on demand fitness classes. Listeners of the Business Side of Fitness podcast get their first 30-minute class covered for free. Just go to fitness.syncfloor.com. Link in show notes. How, so once you created this software with your partner and mm -hmm. you have all these great differentiators, how do you go about getting in front of the ideal client? Because there's a lot of noise in the marketplace mm -hmm. right now. While it's amazing that you came up with a software, there's, there's so many new things out right. there and it feels kind of hard to understand like what all of the differentiators are and how these things separate from, from one another. So what's the process that you're following? Right. You know, we're, we're lucky in that I spent the last almost decade of my life doing consulting in this space. So I I've built kind of a network of not only studios, but also other consultants and other thought leaders and experts in the boutique fitness industry. So I had great relationships with them. We've been able to spend a lot of time communicating with their, you know, whether they have a Facebook community or, you know, an online group or kind of mastermind sharing organization, we we work with them because it's it's not just about you know pushing ads at this point it is noise and there are so many out there it's about building relationships and trust with studios and i think that's going to be the core you know we can talk about all of the amazing features we have in our software and and we do like i am a 1000% confident we are far ahead of where the other competitors are, partly because of all of our experience in the industry and having lived behind the desk and in front of classes and knowing what, what studios really need. But more than anything, we want to be the business that they can trust who's on their side and, and really going to help them not just execute daily tasks, but think forward and future-proof the business. So that's where we've really been spending time in educational content, on educational content and working with these different industry experts. I mean, like yourself too, who, who are just doing so much to help businesses not just survive the last couple of years, but really propel themselves forward. And so who's the ideal client? Is it the independent studio owner? Is it somebody that has a small cluster of studios? Is mm -hmm. it a franchise? Who is the ideal client for Walla? Right. So we just launched in um, November of this past year. So we're, we're kind of looking at exactly our ideal client right now and focusing in on that, which is the independent studio owner who owns between one and maybe five locations. We have businesses right now that have one location. We have some that have three or four and 
while it works very well with multi-location businesses, we're not quite ready for franchises yet as we we need to do a little bit of work on kind of permissioning reports and allowing kind of those, you know, different strategic levels to see different vision or versions of the software. But that's that's where we're headed. The the ideal business is actually running in person and online somehow, whether that's actually live streaming some classes or recording classes and having them in an on-demand library. We've built that so seamlessly into our software that it really, really has taken a burden off of our clients there. It it makes life easy for their consumers, for for their studio clients, because everything's under one login and one place. It lives under their brand on their website. So those, those are the people right now who are getting the most value out of Walla. And that we're able to support, you know, hundred percent with confidence. What's been the biggest challenge in getting Walla off the ground and, and making it take off? Yeah. Good question. I mean, building software is a lot harder than I thought the, you know, the, the timelines at first were a little bit ambiguous and trying to figure out when we could actually launch a product. We definitely launched much later than I had hoped. And so that was a challenge because as we all know in this industry, seasonality is such a big thing. And so ultimately the timing worked out that it was right around Christmas and the new year when we were able to get this into the hands of studio owners. So that was a challenge, just kind of being being really flexible with timelines and being able to adapt and kind of pivot and make sure our clients were ready to go at the right time. The other aspect of it, like you said, is just there. there's a lot going on in the industry right now. And we're. I think there are a lot of people, rightfully so, who are working to innovate and give kind of modern approaches to studios. And so being able to build a brand and consistently stand out and make sure that we're, we're being seen in a certain position is always going to be a challenge for a startup. But I love that challenge. That's been the best part for me. I love getting out there and feeling like we're putting something fresh and new out there. And the voice of the studio owner is being heard here. We're not, we're not coming in and saying, Hey, we're going to aggregate everything and, and bring you thousands and thousands of clients by owning the relationship with the client. No, we want you as the studio to be the hero. And yes, our systems, uh, the way our online presence works and, uh, you know, your your widgets on your website and the app, it's going to bring you more clients naturally because conversion is just so easy with Walla Widget. But we're not trying to own the consumer. And I think that's going to help us stand out significantly. We want you to be the hero. We want the studios to have the relationship. We're not trying to have your consumers even know Walla. We, there's no reason other than creating their initial login that they need to know who we are. They just need to know that their relationship with the studio is easy and they can access classes. They can ask questions. They can feel success easily through your studio. And so are you offering a white label app solution so that there's no Walla branding? How does that work? Right. So the way our app works, actually, it's kind of people ask the question like, oh, is it like the MindBody app where they're searching and it's an aggregator or is it a branded app? We actually fall somewhere in between. They do download a Walla app, but as soon as they log in, whatever their their login is associated. So, you know, Spin Studio A or Yoga Studio B, it will actually open an interface that is the brand of that studio. And they'll have their milestones at that studio, an announcement section from that studio, push notifications from that studio. 
And so the interaction and kind of the experience is very branded and customized inside of the app. The only reason it's not 100% branded is because if they happen to go to both Spin Studio A and Yoga Studio B, you can swap. So you can favorite a studio if you'd like, but you can also swap to whatever else your login is associated with. So there's no like searching for businesses, but if because the way foundationally we work in Walla is that your consumers have one login for any Walla account they have, which has been, I, I know it was a frustration for many people using other platforms that everybody had a different login and a different business and you couldn't, you know, bring everything together under one roof. We did that. We brought it together under one roof. <clears throat> and so now we recognize as soon as you log in, okay, great. You've got a 10 pack at this studio and a monthly unlimited membership at this studio. So you can easily just swap back and forth between the two. That makes a lot of sense. I think oftentimes in business, we're always, you know, thinking the grass is greener on the other side, right? You're in the studio, you want to climb up to the C-suite, you're working for somebody, you want to be a consultant or work for yourself, right? I know that happened to me when I went into consulting, I ended up getting surprised because I thought it was going to be one thing and it was actually very different. And so Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from you going from, you know, running a studio to consulting and then being a tech founder, were there any surprises in that transition where you were kind of like, okay, didn't see that coming? Yeah. Talk about grass is always greener. Like the, the consulting space for me was so exciting and so much fun at the beginning because it was all my brain, you know, just like, what could I do? How could I change this? What, what am I learning and how can I transfer that knowledge? And I had ultimate flexibility, you know, like I could put my schedule out there and say, this is when I'm available. This is when I'm speaking. This is when I'm, you know, working on content. This is when I'm coaching. But at the end of the day, it does, even when I had multiple consultants working under me and kind of a team, to me, that got a little lonely. Like I I loved working with, with my clients, but I wanted to, yeah, the grass was greener. I wanted to be on a team where I was growing something that was bigger than just me. And so moving into the tech space and founding this company with Doug, I was like, okay, this is it. This is the dream. This is exactly what I was looking for. And in many ways it has been, it's just awesome. I will say the time commitment is insane. Like I've never, I thought I knew what hard work was before I founded a tech company, partly because the the sheer volume of work to be done is just endless there, you know, no matter what we put out, no matter what we build, there are going to be variations needed or questions about it, or how can we, you know, something in payment processing has changed with Stripe. So now we need to update it. So there's just constant forward motion, which is awesome and exciting, but also I'm a mom and I have, you know, two kids in school and I work insane hours and I'm trying to be a friend and a wife and everything. Right. So I think, you know, from the perspective of excitement and never being bored, I did, the grass was greener. Like, this is awesome. You know, from the luxury of having freedom of time, this is definitely not that the avenue for you. (laughs) And I think in every business, you know, putting together the team is so important, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. has their different skill set, And so, how have you assembled your team and what is your part in there? Would you say that you're the visionary, you're the executor? Like how does your team work at Walla? Mm, That's a great question. In putting together the team, partly I was really lucky with Doug. Doug had a a small group of engineers who had worked for him in his last two companies actually, who essentially 
would follow him wherever he went, you know, like they, they work really well together. And so we started with a core team of four people outside of me and Doug and they just were great. You know, like we were able to start with this like solid base to the the company that we know understands how to work well together. So from there, it really became, how do we find more of them? And from a recruiting standpoint, God, it is just an insane time to be, to be hiring, right? I think anybody, whether it's hiring teachers or hiring engineers, it's not a cakewalk for anybody right now. So we ended up you know, obviously through our networks, we were able to bring in some core people. Actually, my my old assistant manager at my yoga studio I, runs onboarding for us. She's amazing. She's been in the industry for a long time. She's fantastic at kind of rolling out the welcome map for our clients and getting them organized and operating in Walla, you know, efficiently. So things like that were awesome. But I'm not going to lie, we've had to pay big recruiting fees too, to get some of our core team members because it's just competitive out there. And I'm thrilled. We have 25 people on our team right now, which is just mind blowing to me that we've grown this quickly, but everybody, everybody plays such a key role. And one of our, one of our core values is ownership mentality. And it's, part of who we are is really finding people honing in on their strengths and gen, just then supporting them and letting them fly. You know, like we want, we want their ideas. We want them challenging and questioning something. We want them to think outside the box and help us hone in on a process or a part of the product that could be better. So I think that's where Doug and I both really, really agree from a leadership perspective that we're not here to hire people who just need, you know, constant handholding and management through every step of the process. We want people who are confident in their strengths and are going to be comfortable asking the tough questions and diving in and getting the work done. And we've been lucky enough to find that so far. From a role that I play in the company, I think, you know, I've been an executor in so many different ways here. And that's just the nature of being a startup, like HR, got it. You know, like I'm, I'm head of sales, I'm head of onboarding. It's, that's just how it works. Anything client facing falls under my kind of my organization. So yeah, I'm in hands dirty every day and then jumping out and, and being the visionary. And I mean, I would say Doug plays probably a little bit more of the role of visionary than I do just because he's, he's had a little bit more experience, a lot more experience in scaling companies. So he can see kind of the the next step very clearly, but it's fun. Like we just, the, the venture capital firm that led our seed rounds this fall had an event up in LA this week that we dug and I drove up and had, you know, two and a half hours each way, just the two of us talking for, for months because we're so in it. Right. But God, it's fun when you have those visionary moments and those times where we can just Okay, look at, take a minute, look down the mountain at everything we've accomplished, high five each other, take a deep breath. And then what's next? You know, like we have these big, big ideas. Like the personality typology is just the tip of the iceberg, learning that information. We can go so far with that after, you know, we actually get studios on board with the concept and seeing the returns and the retention associated. So anyway, yeah, I'd say I play a little bit of both executor and visionary. 
I think it's so nice to have a partner that has a complementary skill. I always tell people that are, you know, conceptualizing, you know, ideas for businesses, look for somebody that is different from you because you're going to need that somebody that has strengths where, where you have weaknesses and, and whatnot, or just even a different perspective of looking at the problem, because you need that to kind of come up with the best solutions. Um, what was the process of fundraising like for mm-hmm. you as a woman? Cause that's something that I hear from a lot of women in business that it was challenging. And I know that you have a male partner, but right. what, you know, I would just love to hear your experience and, and perspective there. Yeah, it, it definitely, I had never raised money before, so it was new and exciting. And, and honestly, I love fundraising just because it's selling my ideas, you know, like selling our, our vision. And that's awesome. I'm a salesperson by nature. I can, I can jump into that role anytime. But what shocked me was, you know, in some ways it's, it was a huge um, benefit to us to have a man and a woman. And like you said, we complement each other so well. Like he's, he's the tech background, the scaled and sold a company. I'm the product. I've got product market fit down pat. I know exactly what the industry is looking for. We have like the sales side covered with me, but it would be so interesting. Like we'd be in, first of all, the number of women I encountered in the fundraising process was time. I mean, I can count them on one hand. I, we probably pitched 30 VCs for our seed round somewhere around there. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I can count on one hand, the number of women that were in meetings. And ultimately we landed with one who is led by a woman. And I love that, but even we'd be in, in VC calls or calls with investors and they direct questions that were directly under my part of the organization to Doug or, and Doug would be like, I don't know, Laura, you know, you want to jump in there? (laughs) And it was just interesting. Like the, it was very clear who they saw as the decision maker and the leader, even though we're in the sharing, you know, responsibilities throughout the organization. So that was surprising. And I just felt like there was a little bit more proving I needed to do at the beginning of the call to be taken seriously. But at the end of the day, like I've, I've had challenges like that in my career and I don't mind. I'm, I'm very, obviously I wish it didn't exist that that wasn't the way the way it is, but I also am confident and part of my role, I actually just interviewed somebody yesterday and, and, and made her an offer and I, I encouraged her. She, she was like, well, not to toot my own horn. And I was like, stop it, toot your own horn. You know, like this is where you have a chance to, to say exactly where you shine, what your strengths are. Don't be afraid to say that out loud. So I think part of the role I play in this company and, and what fires me up to, to get these women just into a place of confidence and step into their power is the experiences I've had. And, and so I want them to feel as confident as I did, you know, jumping over those hurdles and saying, you know what, I got this, I, you know, bring it on. And I like challenges. So It's interesting that you mentioned confidence because I can definitely see that, you know, walking into a room to raise funds with a bunch of men, it's intimidating, right? Even, even though, you know, your product inside and out, you, you know, you're the one that's, that's the co-founder here. It can be very intimidating. And I've found that sometimes that happens in business as well. I've sometimes, you know, been a part of, teams where I'm the only woman and then I speak up and I'm like, looked at a certain way, you know, and, and that's just life and the reality of it. But the clients that you work with, cause I feel like in the boutique fitness 
space, it is a lot of female owners. So I would just love to hear, you know, your experience with working with females with tech and these business Mm -hmm. owners, you know, is it predominantly female and, and do you approach business differently from with a female and a male? I'm just kind of curious about that. Yeah, totally. Well, it's, I mean, what we see is that 70% of boutique fitness owners are women. And so that was part of the reason I was so fired up and driven to be be a co-founder of this company. I feel like so much of the kind of advice coming at studio owners and the support systems that they buy from the vendors that they buy from, it's a lot of men. And we've sat there. I mean, I remember sitting there as a studio owner, like pregnant on late on a Saturday afternoon, trying to figure out how to run some reports so I could understand how profitable a teacher was for me. And you know, feeling like the only place I had to go was to this software company designed by people who have never sat in my seat before and who just don't get it. And when you look at the leadership teams of almost every one of our competitors, it is all men, almost all men. And that to me just felt so disjointed and not what the industry needed. So I'm really proud to be representing the women that are, you know, fighting the fight every day in this industry. And yes, I do. I mean, I I feel like part of being in sales and part of being a leader is is being able to be a bit of a social chameleon where you can read the energy and the, um, you know, the needs of the individual that you're speaking to. And of course that differs from men to women. And I'm, I'm very comfortable in both. But what I did see was that I think all business, but in this industry, particularly, because there are a lot of owner operators, there's, there's a lot of isolation and loneliness at the top and lack of community. And that's not how women thrive, right? Like women, women work really well in circle, in groups, solving problems together. And so I really felt that, you know, as we start this company, it's kind of my responsibility to connect them and to bring them together in problem solving and give, give a way for them to stay together in this kind of fight to bring wellness to the forefront and give people opportunities in any kind of socioeconomic status to move their bodies together in a, in a place that feels supportive. So I very, very much am committed to making this a positive experience for the lady leaders out there and making them feel supported. I love that. I mean, I don't mean to harp on the whole gender bias, but no, you know, it's, it's it's at the end of the day, like we're women in business. And this is something that we've always faced that I've just never really talked about it, you know, because, yeah. you know, but there were, there have been times, you know, at one point I was a single mom with two kids and there were just challenges that I faced personally that yeah. people that I worked with had no understanding of because, you know, and, and that's okay. I mean, I'm raising two young men. So I love men. Facts are facts and just with challenges in business. And I think that's something that we don't normally talk about or highlight. And it's important to share other people's experiences. So they feel like, okay, it's not just me. It's been such a pleasure to connect with you and learn Mm -hmm. about your journey and your business at Walla. If somebody wants to connect with you, Laura, or learn more about Walla, how can they do that? Yeah. So our website is hellowalla.com. And I know we're going to have kind of a, a landing page and an offer for your listeners. You'll be able to access 
four months at 50% off of Walla. So you can kind of get started and, and feel supported as you transition through software. But more than anything, I mean, send me an email. My email is Laura, L-A-U-R-A at hellowalla.com. I'm happy to chat with you. Again, this is this is about connecting with business owners where they're at right now, coming out of a tremendously difficult year. And I want you to feel like you're you're supported by a company that believes in what you're doing and that understands the needs of the business. So I'm happy to chat with you, whether it's a 10 minute intro call, whether it's actually a full demo of the software, that's, that's what I love to do. My team loves to do. So please reach out anytime. Love it. Thanks so much. The summit by BFS is back in New York city, April 28th to 30th. Focus solely on boutique fitness, you won't want to miss their elite lineup of speakers and panelists, including keynote speakers Jay Galuzzo, prior co-founder and CEO of Flywheel, and Sadie Lincoln, co-founder and CEO of Bar3. Space is limited. Get your ticket before they sell out. Visit BFS2022.com today and make sure to get your ticket before April 15th when registration closes. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If it brought you value, please subscribe, review, and share the Business Side of Fitness podcast. If you'd like to learn more about working with me, please click the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.